Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 today. We're going to pray before we get started. Before we pray, just bow your head for a moment. We just heard that song, He's Everything to Me. Is He? Is he everything to you this morning? Or have you allowed other things to creep in? For those of you who are saved, are you in love with Jesus this morning? Are you in love with him? He's everything to me. Father, Forgive us because sometimes we just get our minds so scattered on so many different things. So many different levels. We came today from many different homes. A whole lot of different things from health to finances to emotional family matters. That Lord we've dealt with throughout the week. Sometimes work. Sometimes children. We've come and we've been harried about all week. And we haven't given our Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us and saved us, his due or his time. We've not just quieted ourselves down and thought about him. I pray, Father, this morning that you would do that in our hearts. Calmer spirits. May we think about the one who saved us and what that means. How much you had to love us. To have your son on the cross of Calvary. To face that awful pain and separation from the father for those three hours. So that we could have forgiveness of sins. Scripture says we love him because he first loved us us. So Lord, would you warm up cold hearts today? May we leave here this morning thinking about the one who saved us, that no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in our own personal lives today, that it's Jesus that we're in love with. So, Lord, do a work, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come 
he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I want to speak about our relationships with Christ today. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Fill me with the Spirit of God. Lord, may the Word of God do its work on each of our hearts. Save the lost, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there are a lot of religions in the world. And to be sure, we live in a nation that has gotten so not just multicultured, but multi-religious in so many ways that uh, some people wonder, well, what's the point? There's so many so many different religions. How are you going to know what's true and how are you going to know what's false? Harry Ironside, the preacher back in the middle of the 1900s, he was talking to a man who complained about how is it possible to know the truth when there are so many religions in the world? He said, no, there's not many. He said, reality is there's only two. There's the do religion and there's the done religion. You see, there are whole lots of different names that they may go by, but there are an awful lot of religions that would be lumped together under one thing. You've got to do this, 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 this in order to go to heaven. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is a done religion. For when Jesus cried, it is finished on the cross of Calvary. It was finished. And as he said in verses 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, the reality is there are no works or a multitude of works that we can do to get us even one square inch of heaven. Can't happen. For getting to heaven is not by earning it. It's not by working for it. Getting to heaven is found only in Jesus Christ. Too many people, all they have is religion. And salvation's not about getting religion. It's about a relationship with a person. And that person is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, he says, For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He didn't say but by it. Do you realize there's not a church on this planet that can take you to heaven? But there is a Savior who can take you to heaven. And you receive him by faith. But as many as received him, to them give you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Even the apostle Peter preaching in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So when a person trusts Christ as Savior, he does not begin a religion. He begins a relationship with a living being, the God-man, Jesus Christ. When I got married, I didn't enter the institution of marriage. No, I began a relationship with a living person. It's gone on for 55 years now. Still going, I hope. 
The Christian relationship, though, is many-fold. God uses a number of different statements in the Scripture, and sometimes phrases in the Scripture, to describe our many-faceted relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I got saved in the fall of 1971, so this fall it'll be 52 years that I have been a believer. Now I'm 73 years old. So that means the first 22 years of my life, I didn't know Christ. I had no relationship with Christ. As a matter of fact, I wasn't even religious. We didn't go to church. We didn't read a Bible. We didn't sing hymns. We didn't really pray. Nothing like that. We had nothing to do with God in our life. But 1971, when I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, everything changed in my life. I want to give you just a few of the phrases that we have in Scripture that give us an idea of some of the facets of our relationship with Him. Number one, I am in Him, and that is security. We saw it, for instance, in verse 10, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What a marvelous statement. I mean, you back up a little bit, and he makes a few statements like back in verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You see, when I was lost, I was lost in my trespasses and sins. But when I trusted Christ as Savior, I became in Jesus Christ. He uses that phrase again a few times here in just chapter 2 alone. But what a marvelous statement it is. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Sounds like what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 24, when he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. Now, I've said this before, and I'm sure most of you have had at least somebody tell you like they have told me to go to hell. And I have to say to them, I can't. I can't. Because in Christ, there is no condemnation. I'm not, I have, it's not that I have no condemnation because I've been a preacher or I've tried to be a good person. No, it's because I'm in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 5, he says, So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Thank God I am in Christ Jesus. I am in him. 1 Corinthians 1.30, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now, you might ask, why do you say, preacher, that being in him is security? You see, I am part of him. Do you realize in order for me to go to hell, he'd have to go to hell? And he's not going there. I am secure in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. I love this. And they shall never perish Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Had a person tell me one time, yes, nobody can pluck you out, but that doesn't mean he can't throw you away. But he said in John chapter 6 and verse 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and he that cometh to me, I will in no wise 
cast out. That's no wise, no reason. I belong to him. I'm in his hand and he'll never cast me out. What a marvelous promise that is. That is security. Now, many of you, especially around this area, have flown on airplanes before. But let's say I got on an airplane to fly to Dallas. Do you realize whatever happens at that airplane happens to me? That plane goes down, I go down. Well, thank God Jesus isn't going down. See, I'm secure in him because he is God himself with a marvelous promise. You say, but preacher, you could fall out. Nope, can't fall out either. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. I can grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but that same Holy Spirit of God has already sealed me to redemption day. He won't throw me out. I can't fall out. I am secure in him. Now you may say, but preacher, but what if you go out and do something heinous and wicked and really bad? Well, you wouldn't deserve to go to heaven. I don't deserve to go to heaven now. Nobody deserves to go to heaven. That's the point of this whole chapter right here. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. In Romans 11 and verse 6, he says, if it be of grace, then is it no more of works? Otherwise, grace is no more grace. And if it be of works, then is it no more grace? Otherwise, work is no more works. Hallelujah, I've been saved by grace. God's riches at Christ's expense for me to have salvation. Over in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, if any man be, here's that term again, in Christ. He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, listen, when I got saved, the Bible says, when I put my trust in Christ, he saved me, he gave me eternal life. Now, there was still a lot I did not understand. I mean, when I got saved, I was so Bible ignorant, it wasn't funny. I mean, you've heard me say before, I called Psalms Palms and Job Job. And I remember my pastor one time, the pastor of the church that we had just started attending, saying, turn to 1 John chapter 5. And the first John in my Bible was the Gospel of John. So I turned to the Gospel of John. What he was reading wasn't what I was reading. I thought he had made a mistake, and he hadn't. I didn't know there was a John and a first John. You would think the first John would be John. That's, that, listen, that's above my pay scale right there, all right? But I, I was ignorant of so many things, but that didn't stop him saving me. And the Bible says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. When you get saved, you're not an instant Bible scholar. You're a babe who needs to eat the word of God, who needs to devour the word of God within the first couple of months of being saved. I read through my New Testament five times. Man, I wanted to find out what God had to say about himself, what he had to say about my Savior. And I started learning by simply getting into Scripture and reading the Scripture. I'm a new creature in him. You know, the Bible likens us to being sheep. Well, let me tell you, this is the best sheep food you can buy. Right here. Just get yourself a good King James Bible and start reading it. Oh, but the these and the thous, how am I going to understand it? Thee and thou both mean you. You've got it down. That's all you need. Yes, read it. It'll come to you. The more you read it, the more you'll understand it. Now, in Christ, I am a new creature. He is the head. And as the scripture said in chapter 12 of Romans, we're simply members of his body. Now, what causes the members to move the head? 
the head decides where we're going. I want you to get this picture because Philippians 2, 5 declares, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, there was a whole lot of thinking that I had before I got saved that needed to change after I got saved. And to find out what Christ thought about anything, what God thinks about anything, I had to get in God's book to find out what God has said. That's why my last verse is Psalm 119, 128. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. God's right about anything that he says anything about. Still part of the body, still in him. Now, but if if you're not getting his impulses, then there's a problem. And the problem is usually sin. It takes surrender to his word, to his will. Thank God I'm in him and that security. But then he is in me. Now, this is amazing. Scripture says I'm in him, but the Bible also tells us that he is in me. Colossians 1.27 says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love. He is in me and that's strength. Now once you get this, me and him, that's security. But he is in me and that is strength. For Jesus said in Matthew 28 and verse 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That's perhaps why the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 5, without me, ye can do nothing. You know, some people wonder, I don't see how I can live what the Christian life should be, how it should be lived. Well, you can't, but you can through him. You see, he is in you. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. You know, too many times Christians glorify Satan way too much. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Yeah, the devil's a horrible foe and all of that. But thank God we already have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, I have his strength in me to fight whatever spiritual battles need to be fought. I don't need to try fighting them alone. That would be silly. When I've got the one who has all power in him, in me, then I can walk by his word, walk according to his will, always seeking him. So yes, I am in him and that's security and he is in me and that is strength for me, but also he is with me. In Matthew 28 and verse 20, Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You know, a lot of people today, with all the technology that's out there and all of that, people live such lonely, lonely lives. 
Isn't that interesting? People can claim to have a million uh, subscribers to their YouTube page. By the way, last week I was mentioning some of those different pages. I, I don't go on them, so I don't really know everything that can be done in all those social media things. But I happened to mention Tinder only to find out that's a dating site. And uh, I, I meant to say TikTok. But you know, there is a danger in not knowing what those things are for a preacher to mention. So just to straighten that thing out, that was a misspeak. You understand that or not. Jesus said in Hebrews 13 and verse 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We live in such a dark, uncertain world, whether it be diseases, whether it be accidents, whether it be terrorists, whether it just being unsafe to walk the streets in any of our towns or driving down the road. You don't know who you're going to get upset at you. And what may happen in a road rage situation? And they don't even have to need necessarily be upset with you. They might be upset with the other person and shoot him and going to shoot him hit you. We live in a very dangerous world today. People don't know how to have relationships. They think when someone marks friend on the Facebook page that that's a friend. Probably not. Probably not. It might be somebody who hates you just trying to find out what's going on in your life. So I can make you more miserable. You have no clue. But thank God he is with me. And he's promised never to leave me nor forsake me. Yeah, in our day of outright criminals and gangs that are on our city streets today. Government conspiracies. Other nations who seek our destruction and trying to destroy our way of life. All of that. Sometimes you just seem so all alone. And some people can't cope. How in the world do I do it? Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. You can have a good relationship with him every day. Every day I seek to start it out spending time in his word. Just reading his word, finding out what he has to say. What I do is I sit down with my Bible and I've got a little notebook that I put out beside me. And as I'm reading the scripture, as he impresses some things upon my heart, I write them down in that notebook. Now, you say, I'd like to see what's in that notebook. Well, you can see it, but you probably can't read it. I'm a doctor. <laughs> I write like one. I figure if you have a doctor's degree, that means you've graduated to where you don't have to write where people can read it anymore. And I know the only people who can beat me on that are the pharmacists. You wonder how in the world they ever get that right, don't you? But the reality is, though, I, and I don't, I don't write. I used to have really nice handwriting. I don't have that anymore. And I sit there and my hand shakes and I write it down. I don't even know if I can read it. But the thing, I put it down on paper. And as I thought, that meant I thought about it. And boy, it's amazing the things that you get in the Word of God. As a matter of fact, let me tell you, I was reading just the other day in, uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 1. You remember King Saul goes out to battle, fight the Philistines, and he gets whooped in chapter, uh, chapter 31 of 1 Samuel. And David gets the news. Now, Saul had been trying to kill David. And David hadn't done anything wrong. David had been loyal to Israel, even though he was kind of playing both sides of the fence for a while. Uh, but still, I believe he'd even fought against 
the Philistines had he actually been allowed to go into the battle. But regardless of that, David gets word that Saul is dead. Jonathan, his son, who was the closest friend that David had, also had died. And so David gets up to speak about this one who had been seeking his life. This one who had made his life terrible for the last couple of years. And he talks about the beauty of Saul and Jonathan. And then he says, how art the mighty fallen in the midst of battle? And I thought about that. Saul had not been a good king. Saul had done a lot of things he should not have done. It's why he lost the kingdom. And yet, even though he had gotten word from the Lord that he was going to die in the battle, Saul went to the battle anyway. You know, we can think of a lot of bad things about Saul, but you got to hand it uh, to him. Here was the king. He'd even heard he would die in the battle. He does not run from it. He goes and fights the battle anyway. And I wrote down beside that, Lord, let me die in the battle. You see, I have no intention of retiring from preaching. I plan on preaching until I die. And if God puts me in the hospital and makes it so I can't talk, I'm going to try to learn sign language so I can at least preach to somebody. But I want to be in the battle till I die. Being faithful to him. I mean, hey, if Saul could do it, as sorry a king as what he had been, I think I ought to be able to do it as well. To stay faithful in the battle to the end. Now, admittedly, what you can do may change what things you can or cannot do, but you can stay faithful to the Lord in at least whatever you do. No matter what happens, thank God, I am not alone. He is with me. That's what I need. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. He says, and we know that all things that work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, there's nothing that can separate us from him. In this uncertain world, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but as someone already has written, I know who holds tomorrow. And it's taken care of. We are on the victory side. Hallelujah. I am in him, that security. He is in me, that strength. And uh, he is with me. That is serenity. I don't have to worry about today. I don't have to worry. Nothing catches God by surprise. God knows what's going on. Yeah, it's a dangerous world out there, but there's a God above the world. He created it all with just the word of his mouth. He is so powerful. I trust him. But let me give you a fourth one here. I am with him and that splendor. Look at verse 6. This is one of my favorite verses. It says in verse 6 of chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He has raised us up together and we sit together with him in heavenly places. Colossians 3, 3 and 4 says, your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. 
Now, this is mar- marvelous. You realize at the marriage supper of the Lamb, my place is already there. And I am seated with him. Now, over the years, I've been in a number of different banquets for different occasions, things like that, whether it was Christian school occasions or sometimes uh, meeting with other people. You know, some special company invites you out, asks you to pray over their food, and you get to sit and eat with certain people. But here's the thing. You walk into a room like that, and one of the first things you have to ask, especially depending on how many people are there, you don't want to have to walk around every place. You simply ask the person at the door when you come in, where am I seated? Now, if he was a smart aleck, he'd say something like this. You're not seated. You're standing right here. But he knows what I mean. There is a place that is my place. I may not be seated there yet, but that's my seat. And he'll show me where it's at. And sure enough, right there, right above the plate, or maybe even on the plate, there'll be a little card that says, Mike Allison. That's my seat. I am already seated with him in heavenly places, and that is splendor. This is marvelous. I went to Tennessee Temple University Bible College back in the... uh, Back in the 1970s, I was there from 74 to 78. Dr. Lee Robertson, pastor of Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, had started Tennessee Temple, I think sometime around 1946, sometime around in there. They trained an awful lot of preachers, uh, missionaries, sent them around the world. No telling how many thousands of missionaries were serving God around the world that had been trained right there at that place. Now, if you heard... if <laughs> If you heard Dr. Robertson speak, he had a, he had a wonderful voice, uh, always brought the scripture, always stood for that which was right as far as I know. Here was a man who was preaching at least out at least three times every week besides preaching in his own pulpit. Uh, matter of fact, I remember him saying even after he retired from being pastor, he was still uh, in 156 different churches throughout the year preaching in different places. So when I was at Tennessee Temple, I only had, I had three times when I had the opportunity to go to his office and to talk to him. And if you were to add the total amount of time that I was in his office for those three occasions, it would not equal 10 minutes. I mean, he pastored, he had a church membership of over 50,000. He had an attendance of 10,000. You say, what happened to the other 40,000? Who knows, but 10,000 is still a big crowd to pastor. And so being in there for 10 minutes, that was something. So I didn't get to spend much time with him, but I was pastoring the church before this one, Temple Baptist Church in Manchester, Tennessee, many, many moons ago. And I called up Dr. Robertson, asked him if he could come for a special meeting, and he said he would. And uh, I'll tell you, after the, after the service, I took him out to eat, and boy, I got to spend an hour with him. Now, that was special. But there was something even more special than that. In 1985, although he was no longer the pastor of the church, he was, uh, I think, chancellor emeritus or something like that, or maybe it was just chancellor of of the college and the seminary. And so he asked me to preach in chapel. And I remember 1985. Matter of fact, I brought the message, duty, honor the Savior. I remember sitting up there on the platform of that gigantic auditorium that they had there. 
And there's Dr. Robertson sitting right beside me. I felt, wow. Wow. I never would have dreamed this would have even been possible when I was a student there. And I'm, I'm sitting beside Dr. Robertson. That's splendor. I didn't have to make a big show, nothing like that. Listen, I got up and preached and just hoping he wasn't going to throw me out the building. You know, that's really very self-conscious. You say, well, he should have been more self-conscious that Jesus was watching you. He's with me all the time. But Dr. Robertson, I got to sit with him. Guess what? I'm already seated with Jesus. And that's splendor right there. I love him today. And yes, you say, but what makes you think you get to be so close? Guess what? You can too. Uh, You know, I don't believe any of us are going to think in heaven. He's just playing favorites. I believe, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I believe every one of us are going to have a very special relationship with the Son of God. You're not going to feel shortchanged at all. You see, I began a relationship with the Son of God. And he changed me. Hallelujah. I am ready to be with him. Could be today. But even though I may be here right now, I'm already seated there. That's a done deal. And it's done because of what God has done. You see, back in 1971, I came to the place where I recognized that I was a sinner. I recognized I was on my way to hell because of my sin, and I deserved it. Everybody deserves to go to hell. The only escape is to come to Jesus. He paid the debt at Calvary. He shed his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I don't have to be saved again because one time lasts forever. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. And that's what I have in Jesus Christ. I love him today. I talked to him this morning. You know, he's fine. With all that's going on in this world, We may be down here wringing our hands, but he is not up there wringing his. He's coming back. And he's coming back for those of us who know him. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I thank you for these marvelous truths. That for the saved, we are in him. That is our security. He is in me. That is my strength. He is with me. That's our serenity in these troubling times. And we are seated with him. What splendor. Now, Father, if there's one here that's never truly been born again, I pray today they'd see their need for a Savior and find that Jesus Christ is the only one who can give them that life. So today... For any without Christ, may they come to Jesus and be saved. He'll not turn them away. You promised that. But you'll give them eternal life. 
Lord, I pray for those that are saved today. Maybe we've allowed the busyness of our lives to cloud out our walk with Christ as it should be. And I pray today that some of your people would come, just kneel at an old-fashioned altar and say, God, forgive me. I've allowed all the clutter to clutter up my life, and it's time I get back to that close walk with him. Lord, you have your way now in every life, I pray in Jesus' name.